Welcome to episode 629 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast, brought to you by the Digital Media Zone. I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And Josh is out again, but I am again joined by Gavin Campbell from the Home Tech Podcast. Hey, Gavin. Good evening, Sarah. It's great to be here again. I feel like I was just last week I was here, you know, like uh, you didn't give me enough break in between. It's been over a month. That's hard to believe, isn't it? It it is. It is. Yeah. Winter's here now, so I've lost like track of my days. Well, I mean, winter in Canada, maybe. I don't know. This is (laughs) here. I'm enjoying these beautiful 60 degree days. So I don't want to hear it. (laughs) All right. Well, we don't have any feedback this time, but if uh, you would like to send us feedback, you can do that by emailing entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com or just use the contact form on our website. Let's get into some video news, Gavin. A couple things I wanted to call up and, well, most of it, no, I don't know. I have, I will reserve judgment, but this one I think is bad news. So the Digital Bits, a website that came to popularity when DVDs came out and they tracked all of the latest releases of DVDs what was coming out every Tuesday and what you could expect in the future, what features were on them. They would review them. They would have screen caps. They were the online source for all things DVD. And as media expanded to include Blu-ray and ultra high definition discs, they expanded their scope as well. And a lot of what they covered, they, they became a lot more newsy as well. They broke the news that Best Buy has made the decision to stop selling physical movie media. They will no longer be selling DVDs, Blu-rays, ultra-high-definition Blu-rays, steelcase boxes, gift sets, anything. They will not be selling any of the physical movie media or TV media that you can get there today as early as the first quarter of next year. I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> so, you, you know what? Like with, with the streaming services coming, I, I was surprised that I'm not, I'm not surprised to see this. I'm surprised more um, businesses do have CDs still. Um, I think, though, it's going to leave a little gap in the market there there's sometimes those box sets like you mentioned are collectors yep. items and people that love the whatever movie it is they can get the three movie box set and display it on their shelf and now you're gonna have to find other services and more than likely you'll still find them on amazon maybe yep. at walmart yep. but um I, i'm not surprised best buy stepped out i i believe this took a big chunk of every store it was always a like half the store. It got smaller over time and became right. order of the store. But I'm I'm pretty sure they're looking to expand other areas of their store. And this is I expected this. I hope they do expand other areas because in many stores, while they continue to shrink this section down, the area where they have this stuff is kind of a ghost town. Right, They don't bother really maintaining the sections. Stuff's all over the place. Sometimes there are empty racks that they just haven't figured out what to do with yet. So hopefully 
this ends up putting them in a position where they actually have to figure out how to plan for this space now because it's all going to be available. What's also interesting is that this isn't just a play for physical space. They're also stopping their online sales. So you mentioned Amazon and you'll need to go to Amazon or to Walmart. They still are going to be selling them in physical stores and online. Walmart, as it turns out, is the largest seller of physical movie and TV media. They they outsell everyone, including Amazon, between their stores and their online sales. But Best Buy is getting it out completely. None of it. They, they're not going to have it available online. They're not going to have it available in stores. Interestingly enough, they're waiting until after the holidays because what do you buy people in the holidays? You buy them these gift sets <laughs> and you buy them the collector sets. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's It seems like something of the end of an age. I mean, Best Buy stores are kind of a, a crapshoot anyway. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're awful. really depends how they're managed, where they are, what their volume is. And these days – it's just so weird that you can go and see a big section, not a big section, an entire aisle of LPs, vinyl discs for playing music, but they're getting rid of DVDs and Blu-ray discs. I remember growing up and going with my dad, you know, it was every weekend we'd go to the record store and we'd go through the records and we'd pick out LPs and, you know, come home and you, you listen to them, you read the covers. It, this is just progression, you know, because then the LPs, they stopped selling those because they wanted to go to CDs. Um, LPs are making a comeback now, right? Yep. I have two record players behind me right now, you know, like I, I still listen to them every now and then. That's a riot. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, later down the road, DVDs make a comeback somehow, you know, like it's just these streaming services are hurting everybody and, and it's the industry's changing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I, it's easy for me to sound like the old guy here. I literally just bought three ultra HD Blu-ray discs this week. I bought them from Amazon, but I bought the new Barbie movie. I bought the new, uh, actually you talked about it last time. The, uh, across the Spider Verse, yes, yes, and I bought the first season of The Last of Us now okay. available on disc. Now, why would I do that? They're all available on streaming, right? Yeah, they are now. They are now. You know what? I can't go and watch anymore, except from my library where I have them. Westworld. Why? Because HBO, who also makes The Last of Us decided it just wasn't worth the cost of maintaining the product online and letting people view it without also getting paid for advertising. So you can only watch that online with advertising now. It's the only way to see it unless you actually purchased it. And I did. And this is why I continue to purchase stuff because I just don't trust that things aren't going to go away. That's a big point you brought up there. When you buy it, you own it. And as long as you have a DVD player, you can you can still play it. But on streaming services, it might not be there tomorrow, right? And that would be, you know, very depressing. The other thing too that you, I noticed is 
when you get these DVDs, you get like ultra high def versions. You get super high quality versions of them that you probably can't get through these streaming services. So if you really have the, the greatest, you know, theater in your home and you want the greatest quality, this may be the only way you can really take advantage of that. That's my take on it. But, you know, I'm the old guy in the room. All right. Moving on. Another story that's truly a sign of the times. So apparently Spectrum is no longer going to allow new cable TV customers to get linear TV service through cable TV. It's going to be through streaming from now on, which just kind of blows my mind a little bit. So if you you may have heard that a while ago, Comcast and Charter invested in this company called Zumo. And Zumo had a fast service, a free ad-supported television service. They worked on improving it, adding additional stuff. They took the technology, and then they built a streaming box around it. So the streaming box, also called Zumo, is now what you are going to get if you become a new Charter, sorry, a new Spectrum customer with Charter. Spectrum is the service that Charter offers its customers. This box is going to have the Spectrum TV app on it. That's how you get your cable channels now. It's also going to have all the other apps. And it's pretty well stocked. It has all the popular apps that people are, uh, you know, that, that get ranked, that, that people are watching. It's probably not going to have the very, very long tail stuff if you like something very specific. But it has a huge selection of apps available. And it also has the Zumo app, which is this fast service that allows you to get, you know, the usual 200 plus channels of available content. You're still going to pay for the box. You're still going to pay $5 a month for the streaming box now, or you'll be given the option to pay for it for 60 bucks. Now, Gavin, before we go any further here, what's your bet on whether customers are going to pay for the box or whether they're just going to pay for it every single month, like the lemmings that they've all been for the last 50 years? I think most of the uh, people, they want simplicity, right? So they're just going to pay whatever, just to make it as simple as they want. They don't want to think about yeah. it. Um, the more you think about it, the more confusing, the more your head hurts. You know, you have those people, though, that want the best deal and will measure out everything and, you know, right. like figure out how to get it for the cheapest. But for the most part, like I, I always think of my mom with this. And she'll just pay the bill and complain about how expensive it is, but it's too complicated for her to think anything else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Just like a cable box, you would need one of these on each TV. It hooks to your Ethernet or to your Wi-Fi and then through HDMI next to your television, just like any other streaming box pretty much. And you can pay for it up front if you want to, 60 bucks. If you pay for it up front, you're buying it and you're responsible for it. If you pay $5 a month for it, if anything happens to it, they'll replace it for free and you get a new one. So there's some advantage to paying the $5 a month extortion. I mean, I mean, you know, the $5 a month rental fee, but 
I mean, I, I think it, the smartest move here is to just buy it up front. You need one for each TV, but it's not much more than you'd be paying for a good streaming box that had all of these capabilities if you bought it retail. And it's pretty powerful. It supports Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. It's going to have all of it's going to have HDR and all of that stuff. So it it's it's um I don't quite know what to make of this. I'm I'm fascinated by this because I had Time Warner Cable as a client for years. And they didn't want to give up giving people boxes because they make money on boxes. And this is a completely new world where these boxes age out much faster. This box has probably got a life of five years at the best. And then they're going to have to get a new one. And they're not going to make as much money on it. I, I'm. This is an interesting move. What's your thought on this? I haven't had cable in a while, but I still remember having to deal with all those boxes. And I always thought it was like a hidden fee that they always got you. You need a box for each TV and you had to rent one for each TV. It just added up. And I really hated that. And then it even got to the point where like at that point I was buying used boxes. So then I would own the box. I didn't rent them. But then what Rogers was doing at that point was saying, well, you got to pay for each connection now. <laughs> Right. So they're always trying Gotta to get, get the money. You. Yeah. They're always trying to get the money from you. And this is just another way these rental boxes are, they're going to, they know, like you said, five years. It may even, I even think it may be less where they say every three years, you're going to have to get a new box. So if you bought it outright, you're going to have to buy it outright again. Right. Cause the OS is going to get old. The hardware is going to get old. I just don't think they're going to last. And the other thing it's probably going to give them, it's going to give them control over watching everything you do on your TV inside and outside of their app because who knows they may have logging on the operating system on that box and see what you're doing otherwise on that app on that box as well but they probably. can also they, they probably will also at some point you know need to make more money and throw some more ads on that box so those ads could possibly override every app on that box as well too like there, there's so many things they can do once they get that box in your home um but i'm not surprised that they're going towards streaming like i'm surprised that the other cable companies haven't really gone as far as saying, we're just going to go full streaming now. Like cable just feels like such an old technology, but you still have a lot of people that are just happy with the TV they have. Yep. You know, they know their channel numbers. They know, have it all memorized. Channel 34 is this and they jump right. to it. And, you know, yep. and these streaming boxes, you lose a lot of that. And that's why a lot of people don't like them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that other companies haven't done this. They are the first of the big guys to move to all streaming. Now, there have been some regional and local cable companies like Frontier and WOW that have made this move, but they don't have the footprint that a company like Charter does. So this is a pretty big move, a pretty big move. And up here with Bell, um, Bell's one of our big guys. They have the streaming service where you can watch their TV because my friend got it and he was so happy he could stream all the channels to his phone and do everything he wants. But that's in addition to their cable package, right? So they still got to get the cable package and they get this as well. So it's not like they replaced it. Right, right. This is a full replacement and it replaces pretty much everything 
including your DVR. So if you had a DVR, your DVR service is now going to be in the cloud if you move to this. Now I say, if you move to this, I think I mentioned this earlier, that they're not going to give new customers cable boxes. They will allow existing customers to keep their cable boxes as long as they'd like to, or they can switch to this new service. So that's up to you. Of course, if you do that and you have a DVR and there's stuff you've recorded that you haven't watched yet, that's not going to magically end up in the cloud. So you're going to need to watch everything you recorded before you get rid of that DVR if this is something that interests you. Or, you know, declare DVR bankruptcy and just start all over again. All right. Next up, we have some more bad news. So we kind of knew that some Netflix price hikes were coming. And now we know the details of those price hikes. We have... Uh, as of today, actually, the official word from Netflix and their, I believe it was their quarterly call and uh, financial statement that came out. And they are increasing the basic plan from roughly $10 to roughly $12. Now, remember, you can't even get the basic plan anymore. If you have it, you're grandfathered in to be able to keep it. This is the plan that allowed you to just have standard definition, one stream, and it was really, really cheap once. At one point in time, it was really, really cheap. Now it's going to cost you 12 bucks. <laughs> They're also going to increase the premium plan, which is like the big mama with four streams, including UHD and Dolby Atmos and all that. That's going to go from $20, which is what I pay each month, to $23. And the ad and standard tiers are not going to change. So the folks who have the two streams in HD, your price is not going to change. It's almost like they're penalizing the people who are keeping the cheap plan. And for those who really want the best, latest and greatest and best, they're already willing to pay more. So let's get them to pay a little more more. Slowly adding more. And you know what? It's funny. I believe the last time I was on this show, we talked about another service doing the same thing. And I think I said that they're going to keep pushing this because I don't think we've reached that point where people are going to stop paying for it. Right. I don't think it's too expensive now. Um, they're, and they're all going to slowly increase trying to get there as much money as they can. It would have been nice if they could let you choose, um, you know, it, it could be confusing, but say you had like three standard deaf TVs and one HD TV, one 4k TV, and you can mix and match the plans and get some discounts that way. That would be nice because instead of paying for four ultra high defs, but you only have one TV that can use it. Uh, it wouldn't be nice, but that would be confusing. It would make my eyes cross more than they already exactly. do. <laughs> that, so, that's exactly it, right? Yeah, but these prices are going to still keep going up. Uh, this ain't the end. Yeah, no, that's that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably very true. And these prices are in effect today. They go in effect the 18th of October. That's the day that we're recording. And so, yeah, um, welcome to the new frontier. So where does Netflix kind of fall into everything? Is it really worth the 
premium that they're charging for it. Well, as part of their financial statement, they released information from Nielsen that shows where they fit in the scheme of things. And they're either second or fourth, depending on how you look at it. So the two biggest shares in terms of well, let's not look at that. Let's not look at it that way. Let's let's look at it, at at the biggest, most outer ring. How do things break down? Streaming has the biggest share. It's over thirty seven percent of people with two or more people in the household that have TVs. The next biggest share is cable at just under thirty percent, and the next biggest share under that is broadcast which is 23%, which is just staggering to me. I, it's it's just hard for me to believe that it – I mean, I believe it, but it's amazing to me that it's that big because this is a segment that's been growing. And as streaming has been overtaking cable, the not streaming section has grown because broadcast yeah, has been growing it. as cable shrinks. Now, in the streaming, how does that break down? Well, YouTube is on top. YouTube has 9% of the 37.5%. No, let's let that's this is even harder to. So think about 37.5%. If you were to break those down into smaller percentages, what if, if we were to look at everything that's in that, how is that as part of the whole? So as part of the whole, 9% to YouTube. 9% just to YouTube. That's insane, actually, if you think about it. Like, of the whole picture. Right. Yeah. Right. That's pretty big. Next under them, Netflix, with 7.8% of all traffic in TV households with two or more people. So, again, a pretty big big share. The next under that has less than half of that with 3.6%, and that's Prime Video. Roughly about the same percentage, Hulu. Again, cut that by about a half, down to 1.9%, Disney+. And then we start mixing in the fast services, the free ad-supported TV services. Tubi, which I believe is Fox's version of free ad-supported television, Tubi is 1.3%. Coming in before Max, coming in before Peacock, coming in before Paramount, which I find just fascinating. And then below all of that, Pluto, which is CBS's fast service. Wow. You know what's not there? Apple TV Plus is not in this list. Interesting. Why is that? Well, it means that their market share is in the other category. There's a 5% other, and that's everything that's less than these. So that means they're coming in below all of these in terms of actual market share, if you believe Nielsen numbers. Now, you found an article that talked more about what the – Apple TV Plus service is shaping up to be in the U.S. 
That's looking at it more from the perspective of if we just look at streaming, how's it doing? So how's it doing? So this was a survey released by a, a, a company or a service called Just Watch, where you log in and you, you, you know, you search for something you want to watch and it will tell you where you can go watch it and links you to it and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And they released their, their rankings of streaming services. Um, you know, and, and I guess it's just a small, subset you know it's their own personal ranking i guess of people that use their service so we have to take it for what it is but in their list of the breakdown you're looking at amazon prime video as the biggest one at 22 percent, and these are just streaming services followed by netflix at 21 percent. then you have max at 15 percent, disney plus at 12 hulu at 11 i'll eventually reach apple plus paramount plus at eight and then Apple TV Plus at seven percent, and all the others are the four percent. So, so it made it. It made the cut before the others. Correct. So <laughs> going by this service, Apple TV is significant. I mean, there are a lot in those others. Like we don't know what's in the others, but just by looking at what's not mentioned, right? Apple TV is ahead of a lot of the competition. Yeah, for sure. I wonder though, are they thinking about? these fast services? Are they thinking about the stuff that they're watching on these lesser known brands? One of the items that we didn't even talk about on the Nielsen list is the Roku channel. Also surprising to me that that even ranked, but the Roku channel was in that list. Do people think of that as a destination, as an app that they go to? I don't know. I was also curious with the Nielsen one, like, are they comparing, like, when they say stuff like YouTube, are they comparing the free YouTube that we watch? Are they comparing the YouTube subscription or the Roku subscription versus Netflix? Like, I hope they balance it out so it's a subscription versus subscription. You know, like, Amazon Prime Video always throws me off because it's like, that's included with our Prime subscription free. Right. Right. So automatically, if I'm not even using it, but am I included in that as have being a user of it, which bumps their numbers up? Right. But as I understand it, I think the way that Nielsen does this is their surveys of or their you know, in the old days they used to have a log and now it's it's done digitally, but it's based on what you're actually watching. So oh. it 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 isn't that you happen to have Amazon Prime and you got it for free, but you don't bother using it or something like that. It's what you're – so it doesn't matter if you subscribe to it or not. It's where you're spending your time. And that's yeah. what these companies care about is where are your eyeballs right now? And I can see more people spending their time with Amazon again because if it's free, you already have it. Then you'll watch what's on it instead of paying for another subscription and – Looking at the market shares of all those other smaller ones, like it's going to hurt them. Like as this plays out, those smaller ones are going to have a tougher and tougher time getting more market share, I find, unless they invest tons of money into bringing big names and big shows to their platform. Um, and you'll probably at some point see some of them drop off. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Keep in mind, though. Those services, because the, the the small ones, because they're ad supported, they're making revenue, yeah. usually better revenue 
in terms of profit than the services that have subscribers, that are paid subscribers. So remember, that's the whole reason that Netflix went to the ad-supported model, because it's more lucrative for some reason. Everything's advertising. It just drives me nuts sometimes. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, enough navel-gazing there, but I thought it was interesting to take a look at what is going on in the space and where these different services fit, because we don't really look at that very often. We're just kind of following the news. We do have one gaming story tonight, and this is more or less a confirmation and some additional information. So the PS5 cloud streaming service that we talked about, wow, months ago now, has now come out for the PlayStation Plus premium subscribers in Japan. It's active in Japan. It is scheduled to come to Europe by the 23rd of this month and to North America, including Canada, Gavin. Shocking. I know. I'm I'm actually surprised. (laughs) On October 30th. So by the end of the month, anybody who has PlayStation Plus Premium should have access to this. Now, what is this? This is a game streaming services that will stream PlayStation 5 games to your PS5. From it being available in Japan now, it's confirmed that it will not stream games to your PlayStation portal, which is kind of a shame. I mean, it is a shame. It's kind of crazy that it doesn't because you have to imagine the hardware is capable of it. The PlayStation portal exists to stream games from your PlayStation 5 to it. So why then wouldn't you also be able to stream games from PlayStation Plus Premium to your PlayStation Portal? Why not? Probably money. They probably aren't willing to add that right now. And they also probably just want to see how the service does on the connected hardware before it gets added to like these adjunct devices that people might have around their home as well. Now, the other thing that we learned about this is what you're going to need in terms of bandwidth for this to work well for you. So if you want 4K quality on your games, then you are going to need to have a minimum of 38 megabits per second it's recommended that you have 52 megabits per second for that. And then on the low end of the scale, if you're happy with HD at 720p for your games, you need to have a minimum of 5 megabits per second. And it's recommended that you have 13 megabits per second. Now, Gavin, you and I look at each other and probably think, well, yeah, of course. I mean... Who doesn't have that? But a lot of people don't have that. Or even if they do have that, it's not reliable enough. Right. Right. And remember, this is in addition to anything else that might be going on in your home, any other streaming that might be happening in your home. I don't have gigabit service in my home because I don't want to pay for it. There are two people living in my home. And the possibility of us together exceeding 
the 300 megabit service that we have is really, really small. So I have sufficient service for this, but a lot of people don't even have that. A lot of people might even might just have 50 or might be capped at 100 and you start adding TVs into the mix and you may not get everything that you want. Remember, we were just talking about Spectrum and Spectrum moving everybody to streaming instead of cable. You have a bunch of TVs, they're all streaming. What does that mean? You're going to need to buy a higher speed or a, sorry, a larger bandwidth service from Spectrum to be able to support all those TVs. Same sort of thing applies here. So it's good that we know the details now, and I don't think any of it is surprising, but I know folks who were interested in this service coming out were curious to get some of the details, so now we have them. And it's interesting details. It's going to make people, you know... I'm kind of like the local tech for all my neighbors. And I know when COVID hit and everyone was zooming in and all that fun stuff, you know, they were constantly paying me saying, my internet's slow. You know, I got the best package. We have gigabit. I don't know why. And when you look at their setup, you realize they don't really have it set up properly. They have everything on one little access point, you know, and it, when you start looking at this now, you're like, more people are going to have to pay attention to their internal network setups. You, you can order the best you know, gigabit internet service. But if you don't have it configured properly within your home and you're sharing that Wi-Fi with your TV, these gaming services are, your game's going to suffer at the same time. Yep. And there's going to be some arguments in that household. <laughs> yep. And, you know, your cable company isn't going to take the time to set it up properly for you. And most people don't know how to set it up properly. So I think our advice to everybody is, Find that person in your family who knows, like Gavin, how to do it properly, and then reach out to them. I'm sure they'll be eager to help you. And a Tim Hortons gift card gets faster responses. There you go. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's it for the news that we are going to cover, but we are going to talk about what is going on in our entertainment centers. So I know in the past I've talked about how in my family room, we are using an ARC soundbar from Sonos and the mini sub. I didn't like the big sub. I think it's ugly, but the mini sub fits in nicely. I have it hidden anyway, but sounds great. But I've wanted better surround than I can get in my family room from just the soundbar. Soundbar works great if you're in the square room and you have it smack dab in the center of a flat wall a lot, and opposing that is another flat wall. Uh, I don't know what your family room looks like in your home, but in my home, it's open to the rest of the house. It's open to the kitchen and on the side, it opens to the stairs and the front hallway. And so there's no way I'm getting reflection, which is what these sound bars for surround sound depend on, I'm not getting reflection of the sound off of any surfaces to help me hear it better. So I wanted a better surround experience. And we just ended up replacing nearly all of the furniture in the family room. We had furniture from multiple houses that we had brought with us and just kind of crammed it all in there and it didn't really work. So we finally went and ordered an 
It just arrived. All new furniture for the room. Looks great. I figured, all right, now's the time to set up some surround speakers. I'll get some Sonos surrounds. And I reached out to the home tech community and said, hey, should I look at the 300s or the 100s? And the overwhelming advice was just get the 100s. A, the 300s are expensive. B, the 300s are ugly. And C, you're probably not going to notice the difference in sound for surrounds. So I bought two 100s and I got the stands for them. They just arrived today. I set them up and they sound really, really good. I'm very, very happy with the result. Now, I don't know how Edward's going to feel about it. I will find out after we watch a couple movies. And when he sees them sitting on the stands at the end of the family room, we'll see how that goes over. <laughs> but overall, I'm I'm really happy with the result, and I'm glad I made the move. I thought you'd be happy with that. I have um I have a Sonos Beam. I don't have a sub yet. I'm looking for a sub mini, but I did add the surrounds, the Sonos ones as surrounds, and they are more than enough. Like they don't pump out all the audio. They just pump out little sound effects. And when you're watching a show and you hear something yep. jingling behind you, it's amazing. Like you really it makes a huge difference and you'll like it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. So my test movie these days is Maverick. And so I pulled up the scene in Maverick where he's basically emasculating the whole team by by killing them all in the first exercise. And uh, that it just sounded so good. Yes. It was unbelievable. So very excited about that. Now, as far as what I've been watching, my guilty pleasure, Big Brother, continues on. And I've been enjoying that. The Amazing Race started. And I'm so excited about that because I love this show and it hasn't been on for a while. So I'm back on that. Star Trek Lower Decks has been entertaining. Not great this season, not as good as the other seasons, but it's been entertaining. And I started, well, actually, while I was in North Carolina, because I spent a couple of weeks at our rental place working on maintenance on the place and we had some friends visit. And while we were there, just for random stuff to put on in the background, we started watching random episodes of Main Cabin Masters, which is just an HTV, HGTV show on Max. And, I mean, it's just silly, but it's also fun, and it's interesting to see how folks renovate a lake house or a cabin in the woods. And it, it's almost always a lake house. And... I personally want a lake house. So shows like this appeal to me a lot. And this is one that I generally enjoy. I see you smiling. Is this something that you've watched occasionally? No, I, I know you're feeling though when you're you're somewhere and you just turn on a TV and you start watching a show and you get hooked on it. And it's it's like a little gateway drug when you're at a hotel and you just, you know, nothing else on TV and you end up watching main cabin masters. And yep. Yeah, I totally get I know it's happened to me so many times. Completely. Much better than watching the hotel uh, promo loop for yeah. hours on end, right? All right. So also I had been watching Silo and I finally finished watching Silo season one. That was so good. I'm glad I finally watched that. That was really, really good. 
I still think the best episode of all was probably episode three when they're fixing the generator. That just had me literally on the edge of my plane seat watching it. It was it was crazy. I'm just hoping it's one of those shows they don't cancel because they can't leave you with that kind of cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm pretty sure this has a season two already right, planned. Good. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And then season two of Loki started. So we started watching that. I'm about halfway through season two of The Bear now. And I want to tell y'all, I took one for the team. I watched the first episode of the new Frasier, so you don't have to. The- yep. I'm telling you right now, you can just skip this one. Okay. It It's awful. It's just, it's, it's so, le- well, first of all, there's a laugh track, and I'm so not used to that. I'm so used to comedies not having to rely on a laugh track. And it's just awkward and not as funny as the laugh track would want you to believe. And yeah, I would I would skip it. I just don't think it's worth it. Meanwhile, on a more serious note, the morning show season three started. And you may remember that at the end of season two, I was not happy. I thought the season ended dumb. And maybe it's because we had already been through the worst of COVID, but they re- like the big thing that that was driving what was going on in season two was COVID. And the way they ended the season was just like, really? That's how you're ending it? That's just dumb. And luckily, season three just starts fresh. It's a lot of time has passed. Now stuff is now, um, you know, things are moving on. That was in the past and we're not talking about it anymore. And that I think was the best thing that they could have done so far. I'm really enjoying it. John John Hamm joins the cast as I'm not quite sure what he's supposed to be. A combination of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, I think. And um, with footage borrowed from Blue Origin. But but it's uh it's interesting and and I think it's good. So I will continue watching that. Watched a couple more episodes of Courtship of Eddie's Father. We watched the new – yes, they did it again. They made a remake of a remake of a film – no, they made a remake of a film that was based off of a ride. So first they made The Haunted Mansion, The Ride. Then they made variations of that around the world in all their parks. Then they created a movie with Eddie Murphy called The Haunted Mansion, loosely based on the ride, The Haunted Mansion. This year, they've released a new movie on Disney Plus, directed Disney Plus, called Haunted Mansion. You see what's different there? It doesn't have a the. Yeah. And Haunted Mansion is actually a really cool nod to the ride, The Haunted Mansion. Much better of a nod than the previous movie was. It was enjoyable. We we watched it. We had to split it between two nights because we were kind of tired the first night and ended up rewatching stuff and definitely enjoyable. I would recommend it if you are a fan of things Disney. 
And then finally, I finished reading an ebook. We're reading this as part of the book club that I'm a part of at work called Humankind. It is self-described as an optimistic history of humanity. And it looks at how we've learned about certain different things in history and what actually happened and how what's actually happened just isn't as newsworthy. So we never found out about it. Really, really interesting exploration of how media and news and people's perceptions influences your overall perception of humanity. So uh, probably my favorite book that I've read as part of the stuff that we're reading for work. All right. That is it for me, Gavin. What's going on in your entertainment center? Um, I have a few shows going on right now. Um, I just started a show called Living for the Dead. This is one of my guilty pleasures, ghost hunter shows. I don't know why. I just like them. I've been to New Orleans <laughs> and we did some ghost tours. We went to a haunted jail, you know, stuff like that. So we like to do those type of things. Um, so just started watching that. Um, season two of Invasion, been really good, really enjoying that. Um, this show was suggested to me. It's called Bargain and it's a Korean thriller. So I, I always have foreign films in my list and, I don't want to ruin this for anybody, but I haven't started it yet either. It looks really good. I'm going to get into that. And maybe next time we talk, I can let you know how it is. Um, lessons in- Did you just invite yourself back? I think you just invited yourself back. <laughs> I got to get it any way I can here. <laughs> uh, lessons in Chemistry, new on Apple TV+. Plus. I added that to my queue. And movies, we just watched Expendables 4. Um, and we've been on the horror show kick. So a lot of new and old horrors. Um, we've been watching those. Um, and then another Korean, South Korean action film called Ballerina that we have queued up that sometimes we just like to see like action, lots of action, really cool fight yep. scenes. And this is going to be one of them. So you've just watched Expendables 4. I assume that means you've seen one, two, and three already. Oh, yeah. I tried to buy the box set, but it wasn't at Best Buy. No, I just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice callback. <laughs> Expendables 4, it, it was entertaining to see all the old guys, right? That's all it is. Like, there were some scenes where I, I think he was in the plane or in the helicopter, and you could tell it was all CG. And, you know, the background, yeah. that really turned it off for me. But, I mean, it was just good, you know, to see some of those old guys and some new newer guys, but it was fun. I wonder how long they'll continue that franchise. So I have all of them, and I haven't seen any of them yet. <laughs> well, I, after this one, uh, obviously it's they're working with a much smaller budget. So uh, I don't I don't know how smaller they'll get for the if they do one more. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And no hardware, no new hardware to talk about this time. No, nothing new. Now is about the time of the year where we're not allowed to buy anything for ourselves um, as we get closer to Christmas. So fair. You know, I'm not looking to buy anything new. I don't really have anything big on my list. I almost want to just add up all the small things and get a robotic lawnmower if I can justify it. <laughs> yeah, I I know you're still pushing for that one. It's a, it's a, it's a fight. I got, you know, I can't back down. <laughs> all right. Well, 
That's going to wrap it for this episode. But uh, if you want to still hear more from us, Gavin, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Oh, I'm on Mastodon all the time. So Gavin Campbell at hometech.social on Mastodon. I'm almost on that. I don't even know what do we call it now. X, Twitter, Twitter, X, I, formerly Twitter, you know, GV. <laughs> I like that. The service formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, GVN Campbell over there. I mainly just read stuff over there, you know. Um, and then hometech.fm. That's the our podcast we do where we talk about all things home tech. All right, very good. And you can find me on Mastodon as well. I'm Richard Gunther there. I'm also on Instagram as Richard W. Gunther. We, the Digital Media Zone, are on Instagram as DigiMediaZone, D-I-G-I Media Zone. And if you'd like to reach Josh and say, hey, Josh, when are you going to be on the show again? You can reach him at Twitter at Josh Pollard. We usually, usually, I don't know if we do usually, but we occasionally record live on Tuesdays at 8.30. And when we do, it's fun to join us. We will post on social media so you can know that it's going to happen. But that is going to do it for episode 629. He's Gavin Campbell. I'm Richard Gunther. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Goodbye.